from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Now it is Drake who goes in motion. Here's Jacobs. Hole on the right side. Cut to the 10. Five. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. Yeah. Carr back into the gun. The backfield is empty. Takes a snap. Fires on a cross. Spin. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. Carr to Darren Waller. He's got Renfro. Is to his left. Here it's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Tuesday, a winning Tuesday around Las Vegas, whether you're a Raiders fan or not. That was pretty cool. A win for the city. It's Steve Cofield. Adam Candy is here. Finley Toyota Studios. Ari is steering the ship. Much to get to. A lot of it's going to be about the Raiders game. Uh, we'll get to trying to get three here in just a second. Candy, how you doing, buddy? Energized, my friend. Energized. I don't know how you could be anything else after seeing that atmosphere last night. If we're going to wait as long as we did to have an NFL team in Vegas, that's the kind of game that should start it off with fans in the building for real. Yep, fans in the building, and what a freaking show. Really good showcase uh, around the country to what Vegas can be from a, a sports standpoint. Uh, you and I weren't over at the stadium because we were doing the uh, show before the game, and uh, then I was hanging out at Twin Peaks. That's our Monday night football spot, so every Monday we're going to be at Twin Peaks. The show will start normally at 2 o'clock, go to 5, and then we clear out of the way for the play-by-play. So I wanted to thank everyone at Twin Peaks for being very hospitable, including uh, Heather and Maria, who were working with a beer sponsor, and then uh, servers like Camilla and Sarah. I didn't get to meet them all. I tried. Uh, Angel and I were working very hard to meet them at Twin Peaks, but a uh, great place. Beer specials under four bucks. Appetizers two, four, and six dollars. We'll be back there next Monday, starting off at two o'clock for Monday Night Football. Let's do it. It's trending at three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at eight seven 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 hundred Nova. Well, that was a show. Uh, we'll get into the the scene during the game, before the game, after the game. What a great freaking win. We'll go through some of the highlights and the way the game ended, but uh, pretty amazing stuff. And I want to go back to what you said yesterday, Candy. Let's not normalize having the NFL here and having a crowd of 60,000-plus in a brand-new stadium. Uh, if you've been here in this city forever, uh, you know, we're longtime sort of locals, been here for 25-plus years. <laughs> that was everything that we thought it might be, uh, but also something we never dreamed of, say, 20 years ago. No, I mean, there's no reason to. You can't even let yourself go there if you're a longtime Vegas resident. Like, I go back to, let's say, about 03, 04, when we were talking about where the Montreal Expo is going to move. Like, going to Washington, or maybe they're coming to Las Vegas. And every time you start to get your hopes up just a little bit, they get crushed. And you realize Vegas is again getting used as leverage for somewhere else. I felt that way about the Golden Knights when I first heard about that drive. I didn't believe any of this until I actually saw it with my own eyes. I was at the owners' meetings in Phoenix in 2017 when the Raiders were finally approved, and I still kind of looked at it and went, huh, I guess this is really coming. 
And then we opened the stadium like we did for real, not like last year, but for real last night with a game for the ages. I mean, I don't care what team you wanted to win. That game was absolutely fantastic. And you're right. You can't normalize it because if you moved here, Steve, like we did from places that had pro sports for decades on decades and you just wanted something around here that would last, well, this is better than something. This is the real thing. And last night was amazing. It was a game that uh, this show argued over very much. Basically, since the game popped up on the schedule and we saw the initial spread, which was uh, sitting up at six, I don't think it ever got the six and a half, right? It was six to start, Ravens favored. I didn't see anything bigger than six, and right. frankly, I didn't see six for very long. Yeah. And when that six came up, I was like, come on. Like, the Ravens are good, but it's the home opener. There's going to be fans. At the time, we thought there would be fans. Uh, but, you know, if there's fans, it's going to be this unbelievable environment. The Raiders are not that much worse uh, than the Ravens. And then as the summer went along, when, uh, again, uh, that schedule came out, uh, that was one of the games that I picked the uh, – the Ravens game was one of the games that I picked the Raiders to win if I was going to get the Raiders to 10-7, and 7, which is what I picked them for. Now we'll see what happens rest of the way. It's only one game, but it's a hell of a start, and it's one of those games you file away, and you're like, hey, we, uh, we pulled one. Out of the freaking uh, jaws of defeat, we made some mistakes. If you're the Raiders, uh, they got it done. How about Ari? Ari crowing on our show notes, saying that he picked the Raiders to win in our "You Pick 'Em" contest up on LVSportsNetwork.com. Go ahead, you can blow me. Oh, I just you said, can brag. Woo! Hey, I, I, there's no expert stuff here, but I did. I was listening, you know, to the injuries and different things on the Ravens' end, and I really just kind of went for. I have nothing to lose, so I just kind of was like, hey, maybe this will. This will pan out. I mean, truth be told, you heard a lot of the negativity by our football experts <laughs> on the station, and you were like, okay, that's enough. There I got to pick go. the Raiders. Everyone seemingly is going with the uh, the Ravens. So. Just for this moment, I knew it would be, it'd be worth it. Now, how about this, Candyman? <laughs> how about this one? I know you went and you pick them. I don't know if you track your picks. The Raiders last night, because I also picked them, uh, got me to 8-8 eight and eight for the week. Uh, there's one dude, person, someone, who went 15-1 and one in a crazy week in the National Football League. Ari is currently in second place, which is cool. But the funny thing is, the, the picture straight up. You only went 11-5. and 11-5, and five, Candy, is not some unreal week, but it just shows how hard it was to pick winners, especially if you went with a lot of the favorites this past week. Dude. Favorites struggled this past week, right? And we're looking at, I believe, four wins uh, against the spread for the favorites. So uh, I haven't tracked my you pick. I'm too busy uh, taking a look at all of my dead wagers for the week. Um, <laughs> but I assume that if my wagers track along with my you pick, it's probably bad pick. Ooh, good one. Good one. Yeah. Oh, devastating. Yeah. All right, what are you going to you you're going to list your other winners? No, I just like, I just want to brag all about Ari to open the show cuz he went 11 and 5. Yeah, you know. Uh, I just want to brag about the fact that I almost got the uh Chargers and uh Bears score. I said uh 34-14. Those are Rams and the Bears, but close. Oh, what am I looking at? Yes. What was your pick? There you go. Uh I had it as 34-14. It was 31-14. Wow, good job. Look at that. Bragging about scores. You know it. Awesome job. That's it for me for the whole season. Awesome job. Uh the way this game happened, the way it unfolded last night was completely nuts. We'll go to the very End of the game. You got uh, Death's doorstep there. I mean, there's no way the Raiders are going to get in the field goal position. They get in the field goal position, and, you know, I gripe all the time about Gruden settling for field goals from, you know, just bombs. Uh, he had no choice in this case. A uh, couple of plays to get down, set up a 55-yarder, and here comes Daniel Carson to potentially tie the game in regulation. So here it goes. Cole will be the holder. 
Sig will snap it. Good snap. Good hold. Kick on its way. Yes, baby, we're tied. Two seconds left on the clock. There you go. Place goes crazy. Candy, where were you at that point? Because I had actually uh, jettisoned across town from uh, the east side to the west side, hit another uh, watering hole, and uh, a lot of Raiders fans, and just anyone who was in there went freaking crazy when Carlson tied the game. Yeah, I switched back over from ballet just in time uh, to catch that. Dude, where do you think I was? The same place I was the entire time watching the game. I was sitting I on my couch. I don't know. My, do- my dog wondering why I'm freaking out at things like, whoa. I think that was something like that. I think I kind of gave you a, like a, like an old Joey from Blossom. Like, whoa. It was pretty crazy. Could have gotten old school. You're jogging. You have to get your run in uh, You know, at the end of the game. Uh, the game's going long. You're like, I'm going to listen to it on the radio. My phone. No. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I looked it up on the uh, on the you pick them. You want you want a solid week? How about six wins over here? Six of them. It's a long season, my friend. Yeah, it's a long so. season. Uh, you go into overtime. Uh, Raiders start humming along, and uh, it looks like they get a game winner here with a pass to Brian Edwards. Third down and four for Carr, who goes back into the gun. Sean Rucks to the left. Edwards to the right. They're coming. In a hurry, throws down the right sideline, jump ball, caught, it's caught, it's caught, touchdown, touchdown, jackpot, baby, Raiders win. All right, false jackpot, when they looked at it, a little bit short, a little bit short, and then the adventure begins, because Candy, I got to tell you, I'm not going to come in here and go with, you know, results-based thinking, John Gruden was aggressive most of the game. He was aggressive in overtime. He starts throwing and throwing and throwing right on the doorstep because we know in the past it would have been freaking field goal time and give the ball back uh, to the Ravens for one more shot. I think I had that scenario correct, right? You got to get the touchdown. You can roll it up. That's it. The game is over, and, man, they're throwing, and all of a sudden, uh, I don't know if you want to blame Carr for the zip on the ball. The ball goes through the receiver's hands, then bounce, 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 and all of a sudden John Gruden's looking up going, man, I don't know what just happened. Back into the gun now is Carr on third down from outside the five. Stands in the pocket, fires, deflected high, intercepted. Intercepted by the Ravens in the end zone. And then all of a sudden, social media, especially Twitter, explodes with, same old Raiders. (laughs) So, Candy, tell me when they're right on the doorstep and they can get a field goal, but they're going for a touchdown, but they're throwing and throwing and throwing. What are you thinking? Well, John Gruden tried to do the right thing on first down, and he snuck it with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr couldn't get the push with the line to get the touchdown. And then you end up with the Alex Leatherwood penalty, yep. which was part of the theme for the evening. And then once you're at the five-yard line, absolutely you need to throw the ball because the other thing you have to factor in, by the time we got to overtime, what had been made very clear was not only were the Raiders struggling on the offensive line, but Josh Jacobs was never healthy in this game. So throwing was the right call. So at that point, you're like, well... Bad break, mistake, the Ravens. Of course, Lamar Jackson, very good in these spots, is going to just march down the field. But uh, Butterfingers, and here comes Carl Nassib as, uh, boy, that defensive line set the tone all night long. Lamar is going to be sacked. He's down. Ball comes out. Raiders say they've got it. Raiders say they've recovered it. Raiders got it. Raiders got it. How awesome was that? All these calls, uh, Brent. And Lincoln on the uh, Raiders radio network over on uh, Comp 92.3 and Raider Nation Radio 920, both stations and house here at Lotus Broadcasting. So if that back and forth wasn't 
crazy enough, <laughs> then we've got the lunacy down the stretch, Adam Candy, where John Gruden's like, I'm going to be super aggressive, and then he went back to John Gruden of years past. What did you think when they were going to try the field goal on second down? Honestly, if you told me they were going to go for it on third down, Cofield, yeah, and you're just yeah, leaving yeah. yourself the possibility of the snap going wrong, yep. yeah, I get that. Why second down? Why well, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. Trust me, Carlson is as reliable as they get. However, it's a field goal. Much can go wrong on a field goal. So, yeah, I mean, my initial thought was, huh, well, all right. Yeah, they probably will still make it, but <laughs> this isn't the right call. And then the whole plan goes kerplooey. Why? Where is Daniel Carlson? Where is Carlson? Anybody seen Danny? Where's Danny? Weird, right? Danny. I will say there are a lot of people on the sideline, and for a kicker, while you're warming up, is there any – is it in the realm of possibility that you're going to kick on second down? Ah, look at Cofield dropping the sideline knowledge. Hey, it's hectic down on the sideline. It, it, um, it actually – it is crazy, and with, with all that noise, if you're at the opposite end and you're a kicker, you're like, I like how many times do you think Daniel Carlson has kicked on freaking second down? It's just – you're like, you're zoned in. You're not thinking – it, it, that they're going to call you that early. All right, let's think about this. If you're trying to find Daniel Carlson on the sideline, how many places do you think you need to look? That's a good point. Where do they're... you think he's going to be? Is he at the win club right, right. in the end zone? He's at the kicking right. net there's where no... the kicker is. <laughs> right. And there's also, just so everyone knows, I mean, everyone can see what's going on on the sideline, but there aren't like 13 locations with kicking nets. They there's kinda, one they, net. Yeah, they try to keep it off to the side so that people aren't getting kicked in the face with a football. Between the punter and the kicker, constantly in the thing. Which, by the way, the UNLV games. I I am always uh, on my phone taking notes, and I always find myself like four inches away from the net, and having a kicker just boot the ball by my face, and I'm like, oh, okay, wait, okay, football game. All right. So, so this is the play. Ravens are like, hey, absolute sellout. Yeah, they got trips. What was it? Trips on the left. Absolute sellout. They're going to run the ball. It's John Gruden. He's going to pound it. And all of a sudden, as you're watching it, you're like, wait, what? what is Gruden doing? Because it's like the most deftly lob pass, but very careful. Almost like, I can't make a mistake on this one. You really couldn't because Zay Jones was wide open. He's got Renfro is to his left. And Zay couple. Jones. Here they come. And here, here they, they come. come. Blitz is picked up. Jones is open. Jackpot, baby! Vegas touchdown! This time, no doubt! Put it in the W column, baby! This one's over! Adam, baby! Ah, uh, baby! And you could hear it in Brent's voice. He's like, it was like, Jones is open! Like, unbelievable how wide open he was. A uh, hell of a play call, great execution, shocked the Ravens. Candy? I can say, I don't know if you will, a mostly well-coached game by John Gruden. As I, as I limp in on that one. Yeah, and uh, and if you're going to come in front of my firing squad when it comes to Gruden's <laughs> decisions, I understand why you're doing it. But, yes. yeah, I mean, look, there weren't a lot of gaffes on, yeah. on Gruden's end. But the uh, the field goal on second down and the fact that they had to then take a delay game penalty because they yeah. couldn't find Carlson, had they not won the game. Oh, yeah. We'd be sitting here right now saying 
Gruden screwed them, right? Like Gruden screwed them with that poor decision setup. But you know what? In the end, look, he didn't make any bad, you know, fourth and one from the goal line field goal sort of decisions. Like he went for a fourth down early. Uh, they didn't get it. Ultimately, they got stopped. Uh, but it was the right call and they could have kicked a field goal. So, no, uh, we will burn him when, when it's right to burn him. But you got to give uh, Gruden credit for the most part last night, uh, a mostly well called game. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Any loss you have will be tough, you know. You know, working so hard all season to prepare for a team and come down to overtime and we lose. But my team played great, though. So just got to keep building, keep stacking, keep being better every day. We'll be fine, but that, that loss hurt. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 He's very sullen. Lamar Jackson after the game. I like that guy. He's a competitor. He was freaking devastated. Devastated on the fumble in overtime when Carl Nassib came in and stripped him, just kind of laying face down on the ground. So, uh, rough one, tremendous player. And he did his damage, Candy. He did his damage last night. Uh, now, we could we could talk about the Ravens positives. We could talk about some Raider negatives. And I could just come over the top and be like, they won, they won, they won, they won, they won. That's all that matters. They won. But on this show, we recognize that kind of talk is stupid, correct? There is a minutia, there's a nuance of the game where there are things in a game, even when you win, where you're like, ooh, that's a problem. This could be an issue. That's got to be fixed. And especially in a game that easily could have gone to the Ravens, but do you think we're going to kind of get from some people this attitude like, doesn't matter, whatever problem you have, they won. That's all that matters. It's Victory Tuesday, Cofield. Yes. It's Victory Tuesday and never will be heard discouraging word. Come on. That's it. Uh, No negativity. No negativity. Start the trumpets. Where the hell is cool? Gang, come on in. Just to shout over us, right? If we get any bit critical, just celebration all show long. If you're going to sing, I'm not going to talk again because I think that's much better for the listeners than uh, whatever I have to say. But. There it is. Celebrate good times. <laughs> Co- yeah. Cool, Cofield, and the gang. <laughs> Coolfield That's and the, the new gang. name of the show. <laughs> cool, Cofield, and the gang. Uh, but, yeah, apparently uh, on that version of the show, we won't yeah. say anything negative about the Raiders. On this version of the show. No, 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 um, no, no. Let's go to break. No, keep going. Okay. What? what? Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, you know, I saw I saw a tweet earlier from uh, from Vic Tafer who covers the Raiders for The Athletic. And Vic's usually pretty level-headed um, about – the the ups and downs of the franchise, uh, unlike some other members who are out there. But he said that he expects Gruden to, you know, talk about, you know what, even though Damon Arnett only played one snap, one the entire game, Cleve Farrell was inactive and didn't even get in the game, then in the end, they won, and that's what matters. And Vic said, and he's right. In the smallest of vacuums, yeah. He's right. They won, and that's it. But if you want to tell me that the idea that you can get by without first-round picks, playing, I'm not even going to say succeeding, playing, your Damon Arnett first-round pick, your Cleveland and Farrell first-round pick, over the course of 17 games, that's a problem. 
And that's what we talk about. That's what we are here to say. We are here to say the Raiders had a lot of things go their way last night. They got the victory. And when it comes down to are they going to make the playoffs or not, that's the kind of win that's going to have a huge impact. They might be right there against the Ravens looking for a wild card spot. Right. But in the end, Cleve Furl not playing. Damon Arnett not being on the field but once. Those are problems. No doubt. And they're going to need him down the road, so they better keep their head on straight because, uh, you know, there's injuries throughout the season. And certainly, as you said, you spend first-round picks on dudes. they got to be contributors at some point. Matt wanted to chime in. Phones are open throughout the show to react to the Raiders' victory, 1-0. Uh, just super drama-filled overtime and end of the game. What's up, Matt? What's up, boys? Uh, I mean, you can certainly criticize, you know, cards playing inconsistent and everything else. But all I know is it's. I think it's been since Richard Seymour since my Raiders have had a respectable defense. So just, just watching what that was, uh, Gus Bradley, all the free agents coming to play, I mean, they, they actually forced turnovers and affected the game. And Carr was clutch in the clutch. So Yeah, I think, the, I think uh, you nailed some of the positives. Obviously, the one thing – that we'll probably concentrate on the most today is what the offensive line is going to look like in the coming weeks. And, you know, can they survive the season with new guys in there and not a, a whole lot of experience depth? Well, I'll, Matt, I'll Matt go back to at that point. Well, I'll go back to, to what Matt was saying about the defense yeah. and, and it look, it bears saying you got to talk about the fact that the defensive line, Crosby and Gakwe Nassib in particular, made life very difficult for the Ravens' offensive uh, line and also for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson didn't have time to throw. The Ravens ended up running the ball more than they threw it yesterday, which isn't strange for the Ravens, but it is strange in today's NFL. They didn't have a choice because Max Crosby had two sacks and four quarterback hits. Carl Nassib had the big play, and Gakwe was consistent with the pressure. I don't know that they'll be able to do it week in and week out. we got to see it, but if they can produce anything like this consistently – then they are going to become at least the average defense that we've said they have to be to support that offense. Massive win as a dog. A lot of people consider the Ravens still a top three team in the AFC, even with the running back injuries and the Marcus Peters injury. And especially with this beginning of the season schedule, it's a rough one. So you you get this win next up at the Steelers. Dolphins look more than respectable. That should be a freaking heated revenge spot after the disaster a year ago. And then at Chargers, and there'll probably be 50,000 Raider fans at SoFi taking over, making it into a home environment. But the Chargers are very, very dangerous. Raiders getting out to a 1-0 start is massive. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Yeah, Yannick pulled a hamstring. I don't know how serious it is. Obviously, he was out of the game. Carl Nassib had a big play at the end of the game. But Max um, backed it up. You know, you do it day after day after day, and then you get an opportunity in prime time to show where you are. I thought he showed some things tonight. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. There's a lot in there. That defensive line played really well. Max Crosby was a freaking beast at different times. It was a really bad matchup for Villanueva on that uh, right side of the offense. Let's get into uh, some of the nuts and bolts of the game and some of the environment around the Al inside and out. It was awesome. Raiders fans converging on Las Vegas and 
They got a hell of a show, hell of a show, hell of a way to open the stadium with a full crowd. Willie Ramirez is with us, part of the company. He was covering the game last night for AP. Willie! What's up, guys? How's it going? Good, man. Good, man. Let's, uh, let's start off with the uh, excellent night for Max Crosby. And let's go back uh, about three weeks ago when uh, there were a bunch of feature stories done on Max Crosby and how he's gotten his life together, that uh, he had some problems uh, early in his career away from the field. And, and now you see the culmination of getting, him, you know, getting yourself clean and, and focused on football. Yeah, you know, and there's obviously two interesting stories there. Everybody thinks that the overall number one, you know, the best player on the team athlete-wise is Darren Waller. And we see that he cleaned his life up and, and, and got his life on track and got focused. And now we're seeing somewhat of the same thing with Max Crosby. And, you know, one of the things that stood out in the last couple of weeks with Max is the fact that how much it meant to him to, to wear that C on his chest uh, when, he, when he was named captain. He pulled Derek Carr aside and just really talked to him about it. And, you know, it felt like it, there was no pressure in terms of just his teammates naming him a captain, but it was just how much did everybody really thought of him and to be thought of like that and depended upon and looked upon as a captain, I think that that meant a world of difference. So in coming out and in, in, in talking about his, uh, his rehab and, and getting better and, and, and uh, you know, dealing with his dependencies and then turning around and, and establishing the trust with his teammates, I think it really helped his confidence level and just gave him a boost of morale in time for the season. Overall, Willie, the Raiders' front four probably was their biggest story on the defensive side last night. Uh, they might be dealing with the Ngakwe injury, uh, as we heard overall, but you look at the PFF grades uh, for Crosby, for Ngakwe, for Nassib, they were huge. Uh, it seemed like Lamar was running for his life for most of the night. It, they did, and you know what was funny? Is you're, you're sitting there uh, watching this game, and you're seeing the defense, and Seeing how the how the uh, at times Lamar Jackson is doing what Lamar Jackson can do, and they're just they're they're you know different things on social media or in the press box going oh boy here we go. But at the same time, it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks you know dual threat quarterbacks in the league. So he's going to do what he does. But the response of the defense at different times, I thought it was very timely. And the other thing that I think that sort of bolstered everything was there were some big moments scattered in the game where they were from Gus Bradley disciples that really stapled the defense. K.J. Wright came up with a big play early in the, or in, the sec, in the first half, late in the first half. You had Quentin Jefferson involved in, in a play that, uh, where there was a fumble. Um, you had Perryman recovering a fumble. So you really saw the, the, the fingerprints of Gus Bradley and what he has done with his defense, and then it just sort of you know, spread among everybody else. And, and like you said, that, that front line never gave up. It showed its resiliency. And one of the things that we brought up in the media room constantly and, and talked to Bradley about and talked to John Gruden about was the rotation and being able to have some depth. We've talked about injuries on this, this uh, entire squad, but keeping the, the legs fresh and keeping them. And you saw Gerald McCoy go down last night, which was that's a whole other story and such a gut-wrenching thing for such a great guy um but i just thought that you know the depth of the of the the team or the defense itself in in regard to uh you know despite the injuries that it dealt with i thought it was phenomenal because they never really showed a sign of of being weary in the game they just kept coming at him and dealing with it even when lamar jackson was 
slugging them back. I was in the, the postgame pressure with Jackson and asked him that, you know, how hard that was in terms of it seemed like he'd get the upper hand and then they would just smack him right back. And he, uh, you know, he, he was very dejected. I heard, I heard the, the comeback uh, earlier with, um, with the press conference you played from Lamar, and he was very just, you know, very dejected, very upbeat, though, that there's 16 more games. Um, you know, and they had to pit, or they're going to play Pittsburgh next week, or excuse me, uh, Kansas City next week. Hey, that's okay. I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey on the Peyton and Eli Monday Night Football broadcast last night had no idea who the Chiefs are playing either next week. So you know, it, it might, you're not the, you're not the only one out there uh, struggling with the opponents. But, hey, I'm still dealing with the hangover from that game last night. Let me tell you something. Between Josh Dubow and I looking back and forth at each other in the last five minutes of regulation and overtime and trying to figure out, oh no no no, you're going to go in that locker room. Oh no no no, or I'm going to go in the interview. You're going to go see the no, I'll go see the Ravens. No, you go see the. It, we change we change story ideas in interview rooms at least five times in the last five minutes. So one thing that Cofield and I were not able to do in terms of the game last night was obviously be in the stadium. We were handling the show. So take us inside Allegiant last night. I know that uh, I know there have been games there, but there haven't been games like this, and there haven't been games with fans. So what was the atmosphere like inside the stadium? It was uh, it was different, um, you know. And being, I've been to every single home game of the Golden Knights, and I and you really, you know, you get used to that loud thunderous noise in T-Mobile. But remember, they built the acoustics for that, and it's sort of somewhat rounded on top of you, and it's it's sort of hovering where Allegiant is spread out and it's wide. So it's it's almost as, as if it reverberates in an opposite direction. But the energy and the electricity that just lasts throughout an NFL game is so different, you know, and it was special just in terms of, you know, for, for, for someone like myself who's been here since 1972, you know, and remembers when that was just desert, and to see this when, you know, when the NFL wouldn't dare even utter the word Las Vegas, um, and to have that, that atmosphere on a Monday night, opening night, you know, Brent Musburger, three booths down from everybody, you know, the Monday night crew watching that pregame set out on the field and, and them doing their final uh, tune-up, you know, where they're joking around on the field, Susie Culver and everybody, they're down on the field. That was something that just to be amazed by. And you just sit there in awe in that it wasn't too long ago where Las Vegas was taboo. Um, and then to see Raider Nation, you know, you've heard, you continually hear – different things about Raider Nation and the crowd in Oakland, so on and so forth. And whatever that may be, the bottom line is it couldn't have been a better atmosphere, a better crowd. Um, we saw jerseys of different teams that weren't even playing in the game last night. And just NFL fans, it was, it was a celebration of sorts, if you will. I don't think they'll, you know, the, the crowd and the, the electricity will be like that for, for home games. But there'll never be another night like that was last night just because of everything that was involved. Yeah, I had a friend who's also a Vegas guy, has been here forever, you know, his entire life, and said the place was rocking, best sporting event I've ever attended. And this person goes to a lot of sporting events, will be a hard one uh, to top. So, and I think a lot of people came away thinking, hey, that was freaking awesome, and I'll remember this forever. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the other stars of the game. Uh, and in the case of Derek Carr, he wasn't a star early, Willie. So what did he say after the game? Because his heroics late were amazing. He delivered some key passes, but he got off to a bit of a slow start. He did. He did. Um, and I think that it just—I think maybe the range of emotions maybe have got to him. He he, he had some uh, 
overthrown balls for sure. Um, very, I was very critical of, of his, uh, you know, and I don't, obviously I don't think that he's calling the plays, but I was very critical of the targets. Yeah. You know, there was one point where Lamar Jackson had targeted, uh, I think, eight guys, and Derek Carr had targeted six, and of the six, Waller had gotten a, like 84% of those passes, those targets. So we're wondering, you know, where is Brian Edwards? Um, why is Waller being t- targeted so much? All the, you know, you're basically laying it out there that here's where we're going to go. go cause, and it wasn't as if Waller's reception percentage was on high. So the dependability on Waller, that, that was a bit of a good. And then all of a sudden you look up and they're down 14 nothing. So I was a little critical of that. Um, but they, he eased into it, and he, he got his rhythm, and he, and he got into a flow. And the defense, I think, is what really – settled Derek Carr down. He even said in the presser, can someone say something about the defense? Can we praise the defense? And I think that was key. And I think all along that's been, you know, that's been what was key. Um, I heard you guys talking earlier about predictions. You guys had the Raiders. I had the Raiders. And it was all dependent on the defense. Right. Um, and in and, and that Gus Bradley and what he's done to this unit. So I think once that they showed that they can contain Lamar Jackson, come up with the big plays, it helped Derek Carr's confidence that okay, we're going to get. I'm not going to be playing in too far of a deficit. I got to get some points on the board. I got to drive this, and he eventually found his rhythm. Um, Jacobs didn't look 100. percent We saw Kenyon Drake come out of the backfield, and that was talked about during training camp about his, you know, mobility and being able to come out of the backfield to catch some balls as well. So um, it just it took some time, and they settled in. And and the one thing that that they said afterwards and is that they, they show that they play for one another. This is a team. This is not, there's no key player. Um, there's no one guy that they're counting on. And I think that's what's important and what's going to help this team, especially this coming week, now that they're banged up even more, is that brotherhood that they've mentioned all training camp, that teamwork, that team aspect. Um, and I think that's what ultimately helped Derek Carr and the rest of the offense in, in keeping that confidence level on high. Will Ramirez covered the game last night for the AP. He's a part of the Cofield and Company crew, so he was out at the Owl for that big Raiders victory. Let's talk about another feel-good story. You know, Zay Jones is a guy who's been around for a while. They traded a pretty good pick to get him from the Bills, and, you know, it's never really um, you know, turned out to be uh, any sort of big results on the field. Last night he was targeted twice. He had two catches. He had the game winner. He had 46 yards. And uh, you tell us, uh, you know, Zay Jones in terms of the locker room and especially with Gruden, Gruden really likes this guy. And I, I, I know he was thrilled last night that Zay Jones got the star at the end of the game. Zay Jones has been a popular um, guy during, throughout training camp with the players and the media, for that matter. I mean, the first time he came in on a media availability, just, you know, the, the, the emotion he wears on his sleeve and the way that he speaks and talks about the team and, and the, the system and, and everything, he's just a very impressive human being. And that, I mean, the best way to put it, um, the way he elaborates with, with, with so many different thoughts that go through his head. Um, Zay Jones has been a favorite, and John Gruden has never. You know, the, the popular phrase throughout training camp was, don't sleep on Zay Jones. You better not sleep on Zay Jones. Let's not forget about Zay Jones. I wrote a story, and the headline for the Associated Press was, Gruden doesn't want anyone to forget about Zay Jones. <laughs> so he's been high on him, and I think he's been itching to call his number. So to, to have that play, to have last night, everything we just spoke about, the emotion of Monday Night Football, finish with Zay Jones catching the walk-off touchdown. When, when, when Gruden talked today about Zay, when he talked last night, 
that was all 100% factual. He, he couldn't have been more pleased with the, with the target because of the person he is. Zay Jones, he's close with Darren Waller. Um, they live in the same neighborhood. I had known that they were close um, prior to Darren talking about that last night. They've, they've, um, they've really built a rapport since last summer. Um, Zay's a family guy. I know that for a fact. He uh, is very close with his brothers. He's a mentor to his own, you know, his, his siblings. So it, it, that carries over to his persona in the locker room. So I can tell you right now that, that the way that ended with the guy that, that catches that winning it touchdown, and on top of that, a guy like Carl Nassib to make the probably the biggest play of the game with his story as well, um, it just it, there were so many different intangibles that made up that win last night. So, uh, but definitely Zay Jones is a, is a locker room favorite, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Willie, good job, man. We'll catch up with you. Uh, you're the company on Thursday, so I'll see you out at Silver Sevens. Okay. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. There he is, Willie Ramirez, AP Cofield and Company. He was covering the game last night. A lot more on this big Raiders victory. They're one zero upset victory over one of the powers of the AFC in the Baltimore Ravens. On the way back, I want to hear from Adam Candy because he was saying, uh, you know, he was tracking all the different broadcasts, and I want to hear what he thought of Levy and Riddick and Greasy on the Raiders Ravens last night. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Put us in the position of Villanueva when. You know, you get off to a little bit of a rough start because you got a, a speed rusher like Max Crosby who's testing you. Well, I mean, first of all, Alejandro Villanueva is a pro bowler at the left tackle playing right tackle. And for those of you who don't think it's difficult to switch from one side to the other when you're taking a number two tonight, switch hands and see how close that wipe is. It's a bit different. you got to get used to it differently. Thanks for the time. Hey, don't forget to change hands wiping, boys. Talk to you soon. Go Irish. <laughs> Well, the former offensive lineman Ryan Harris working in uh, Denver, very much defending Alejandro Villanueva, going from left tackle to right tackle. Candy? So? So? Go ahead. Man, I drank all the coffee I could. I just couldn't make it happen. Like, oh, I, really? I, yeah, no. I didn't even have the opportunity, unfortunately, uh, after we talked to Ryan yesterday. But um, I think Max Crosby tied up Alejandro Villanueva's hands, and he wasn't able to wipe at all. Um, and I think, you know, Alejandro Nueva, that's why he ended up covered in crap at the end of that game. Oh, wow. Really playing along with this. I'm glad you got that. I'm glad you got my uh, no real lead-in, just looking for an answer on Ryan Harris's request. Ari? Are, are you asking me if I was assessing whether or not I used my right or left? That's the last time I thought about it after I left here yesterday. Really? That's all I thought about all night? I thought so. I couldn't wait to go to the latrine. No, it was brilliant. I just had other yeah. things on my mind. The latrine. <laughs> well, do you remember what I said in reaction to that on the air? I don't know if anyone was paying attention. I, I actually right. said I'd be fine, uh, that I'm mostly ambidextrous. Did I say that on the air? Maybe off the air. Yeah. Uh, I said it on the air. So, yeah, this morning uh, when Nature called, I tested it. I'll say this. I'll say this. I don't want to get too graphic on, you know, wiping your rear end uh, and doing it with the opposite hand. But... I, I'm normally righty, and I noticed the, the power of my left wasn't quite there. I think with some more reps, I'd be fine, but I would give it I – think, I think my left hand was 85% effective. Now, I also think I'm in, like, the upper 5% of the world when it comes to uh, dexterity, being ambidextrous, being able to use the left and the right. Is that too cocky? 
No, 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 no. I'm just telling you what I witnessed. I'm just telling you what I witnessed, and uh, I think I can make the adjustment pretty quickly. Now, here's the thing. That comparison by, by Ryan, it's wiping your rear end is not like blocking on the left side and the right side. Like wait, Max wait, Crosby, me... like I say, put my left hand down. Max Crosby's not spinning around me or trying to freaking swim move. It's, well, a, little, it's a little a, different. It's a little. You haven't but, answered but I, the key question. But I, but I get what he was getting at. That appreciate how hard it is to play football. All I'm going to ask you, dork, who didn't play football, is to wipe your end. So I took that. Go ahead, Candy. I cut you off. Well, you haven't addressed the key question here. Yes. Yeah. We talked about the hands. Yeah. How was your footwork? I had a strong base. I had a strong base. Because that's um, one of the hardest things from switching from left to right side is, you know, like that's a good are, question. Actually, are you are you getting into a strong like we talk about pass set all yeah. the time, right? Like when when that speed rush is coming for your backside, like are you? Are, yeah, uh, and right now, if you can't, uh, <laughs> if you're not following along with us, you're missing the fact that Steve Cofield is acting like someone taking surfing lessons for the first time. Well. I was trying to. I was actually for the right wipe. I was putting my right foot forward, but I'm not really sure. I think. I think I just. I think it's a straight squat, but I don't know if I have a lead foot, so I'll have to try it again. Uh, maybe if I get lucky, a real lucky at this age to go twice in a day. Oh, hallelujah. Um, I'll try it later tonight, but I'll have another report tomorrow. This is good radio, isn't it? But wiping. I'm going to have to go for a third cup of coffee because I, I don't. Like, next time we talk to Ryan Harris, I don't want to be caught off guard and not be able to answer this question legitimately. Uh, five o'clock hour, just candies, just prunes all over his face, just just anything you can get to get the, get everything moving. We need an answer, oh, oh. Candy. Amer- America waits. Las Vegas waits. It's it's the Metamucil hour here on uh, Coffee and Company. <laughs> uh, did you watch the traditional MNF call with uh, Levy and Company or? Did you try the Manning Bros? So, I did try something new last night. It just wasn't switching hands. So, (laughs) I went for Peyton and Eli. I wanted to see if they were going to be able to live up to my expectations, which, frankly, were kind of middling. I didn't think they were going to be, you know, fantastic. And I turned it on, and Cofield, five minutes in, I was mesmerized. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Why do we watch... A particular broadcaster why do we watch a particular channel for something we either want to be informed or entertained well they did both and they did it beautifully like the set of guests that they had on when peyton manning and ray lewis are on that show and they're talking to each other about how they used to prepare for each other during the game and relating it to what's going on on the field they didn't they never lost the narrative of what was happening between the Raiders and the Ravens. But then they talked about each other, and then Eli was the perfect foil. Eli was playing bratty little brother to Peyton the whole time, coming after him about his head and how big it is, and that mom wants him to stop scratching his head. Then they had Travis Kelsey on later on, and Travis Kelsey, I mean, come on, he's off on his own island in the first place, right? Like, Travis Kelsey is is a dude who's got his own thing going on inside his head when he's not on a dating show. And Travis Kelsey forgot where he's supposed to be playing, but he's talking about the game with them. And then Russell Wilson came on. And Russell Wilson, here's the upset of the night, Cofield. Russell Wilson was entertaining. Wow. I actually enjoyed listening to Russell Wilson. So you know what? I didn't spend a minute 
with Levy and Riddick and the third guy that I guess they insist on putting in the booth uh, over and over again. So, yeah, uh, I thought the tr- the, uh, the traditional broadcast can probably just go ahead and be shelved right now because the Mannings are really onto something. NFL insider Miles Simmons coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, we'll get into the uh, Manning broadcast a little bit more on the other side as we hit the football frenzy. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it.